0: Everybody, hello. Welcome, friends, to the Vox Podcast. Another episode with our Palestinian friend Jesus joining us via the Bible. And uh, Timothy is in California, which evidently the whole state is on fire right now. The whole West Coast. And it it looks horrific. It literally... I mean, it looks horrific. And so I'm so sorry. Um... Uh, evidently, we need to be raking the forests and it would be better. So I'm sorry that's not happening. Um, how how are things, Timothy?
1: It's, it's been very um, apocalyptic the last week plus. Red suns, gray skies, smoky air, Ooh. snowing ash every morning on your car. Oh, it sounds like the book of Revelation. Yeah, it's all happening. It's
0: all happening.
1: Yes. If you didn't get the memo on the East Coast, it's yeah. all
0: happening. Yeah, yeah. Well, everything ha- that happens happens on the West Coast first. So, you know, I, I West I fully, Coast is the best Coast. the The Rapture will happen. Um, oh no, shoot! It will happen East Coast first. Yeah, Dang. was that
1: the Y two K thing? It was like we all watched Australia to see if it would disappear. <laughs> totally. Yes, We're still there.
0: All right, we to it. <laughs> Our Gen Zs don't even know what that is. Um, <laughs> and it's okay. You didn't. You didn't need to know but we have today well uh, first a couple of things let me just do let me just do a little business all right all right first of all thank you to kevin and nate and thomas for joining our patreon team in the last week uh, or a couple of weeks and um and we really we really do appreciate it if you go to patreon.com type in the vox podcast with mike erie um you could support us there or if you go to voxpodcast.com you can support us there's a link to patreon and a link to something called tidly uh both are tax deductible tidly's more for one time things um uh, patreons if you're interested in a couple of rewards or um a more of a regular kind of set it and forget it sort of thing but we are very very privileged to have a community that um supports and, uh, gives us feedback. Uh, we've got some reviews that we, 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 don't have time to read today, but, um, but they mostly involved Tim. And, uh, and so we're That's grateful. Right. We're grateful for that. Again, the algorithms that are running our lives pay attention to these sorts of things. So thank you for liking, rating, subscribing, all of that jazz. Now today we have Jesus. So, so, so far Jesus has hit anger and lust. And now he's going to hit divorce and remarriage. And so it's a natural progression. Yes. It's so nice that he kind of keeps things light and, (laughs) uh, you know, just tells us how to improve our lives. Um, No, this is a very, very tender topic. And obviously, um, there are we, we have folks in our audience who have been. Uh, divorced, are getting divorced, thinking about being divorced, wish they were divorced. I mean, it is a really complicated issue. And anytime you talk about a complicated, very pastoral issue, you can die by a a thousand deaths of the whatabouts. So what about this? And what about that? And what about this? So the text we're going to look out to look at today serves a very specific function so we're going to look at the text in Matthew 5. Then that will force us to go to Matthew 19 for fuller context. And that Matthew 19 will force us to go to Exodus and Deuteronomy. And I then know. we will go back to Matthew 19 and then we will end up in Matthew 5. All right? So that <laughs> that that's how we roll. Um and there's it, it's uh the, the thing that's interesting, Aline, our friend Aline, my goodness, she started Vox with us years ago, and it's just wonderful. Her husband, Matt, um, she's going to read the text for us today. It's just a couple of verses, but uh, there's a whole lot in here. So take it away, Aline. <laughs>
1: It has been said anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her
2: the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery.
0: The voice of an angel. Um, So So many angelic voices reading. So many. We only choose the angelic ones. Are you kidding? Um... And so I used to think this was a different example. So Jesus talks about anger, and then Jesus talks about lust, and now Jesus is going to talk about divorce. But what he's doing instead is Jesus is giving two examples of, w- of double standards that men were guilty of, and he's going to redefine adultery in ways to protect women via lust and via divorce. All right. It is a a theme here. There is, there does seem to be a theme and it's beautiful when you see it, what Jesus is doing here. Um, And so, um, so the text, uh, uh, it has been said, anyone divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. That's straight from Deuteronomy 21, although it's a, a bit of a misread of Deuteronomy 21. So Jesus is quoting something that's floating around in his culture. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Bam. Now to understand what Jesus is doing here, this is a summary of a much fuller discussion that Jesus has in Matthew 19. Now, remember, Matthew's blocking this material for different theological reasons. So it's not always linear. He did, he did this. Mark is the most linear, it seems. He does this, and then he does this, and then he does this, and then he does this. John is very, very theological, built around the seven days of creation, um, formed around seven signs that Jesus kind of uses to reveal his Messiahship before he dies on the cross. And inaugurates new creation. Luke is written to Gentiles and is more geographic, ge- geographical in nature. So Luke, Luke has tons of geographical references as we're going through it. Um, Matthew blocks his teaching into five different blocks. Uh, that correspond, anytime you have five blocks of teaching, you would think new Moses, new Torah, new Exodus, new Mount Sinai, right? We talked about this very, very early in the um, Sermon on the Mount series. This is, so Matthew's blocking material that Jesus explains more fully in Matthew 19. Jesus is Jesus is using it here to, to talk about the double standard around um, divorce, but he's using it as another point about adultery. So really what he's doing is he talks first about anger and murder. Now he's talking about adultery and in saying now that divorce, except for sexual immorality is adultery and um, the kind of coveting the looking to covet that constitutes adultery of the heart. So this is a pretty radical set of teachings that Matthew's grouped together. Now, We're going to jump to Matthew 19, because this gives us insight into what exactly Jesus is saying here that would have been kind of uh, understood um, without having to be spoken in Matthew 5, all right? Matthew 19, your job, Timothy, is to make sure this flow of thought stays tight. So it still flows. we We got all kinds of stuff going. So in Matthew 19, I'm going to read the text, all right? Some Pharisees came to Jesus to test him. They asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Jesus replies, Haven't you read that at the beginning the Creator made the male and female and said for this reason a woman will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh? So they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Why then, the Pharisees responded, did, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce uh, and send her away? Jesus replies, Moses did not command this, but he permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. Mm-hmm. It was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. So this is roughly the same teaching he gives in Matthew 5, that last bit. But it's now given in the context of a question and a test. The disciples, (laughs) to just show you how jarring this this teaching is, the disciples said to him, if this is the situation between a husband and wife, it is better not to marry. (laughs) All right? So... So <clears throat> unless that, unless Jesus teaching hits us the same way, we haven't yet fully understood how radical it turns out to be. All right. So what we're doing now is we're doing theology. We're not doing pastoral work. We're doing theology. So we're going to go back and we're going to look at there are 613 laws in the old Testament. Are we going to look at all of them? Yes. Yeah. Yes. In order. Um, <laughs> No, we're going to look at the only two of them that deal with divorce. One deals with divorce, one actually deals with remarriage. That is going to frame the context for what Jesus is dealing with here. All right? So background, Matthew 5 brings up Matthew 19, which brings up two Old Testament passages that form the kind of the culture around this conversation. All right? The first Old Testament passage is not referenced in that test, but it's one of only two that are dealt with, that deal with divorce in the first century um, or in the Torah. Exodus 21, starting in verse 10, Timothy. If a servant marries another woman, he must not deprive the first one, his first wife, of her food clothing and marital rights and just to be clear marital rights means sex and intimacy okay if he does not provide her with these three things she is to go free without payment of money and in in other words uh, she doesn't have to pay her way out Uh, she gets the her bride price back and all of those sorts of things all right Hmm. so And this is, this is from Tim Mackey, right? Tim Mackey has this great episode that he did with us on the old Testament and the understanding that the old Testament is triage. The old Testament, except for maybe Genesis one and two is not God's moral vision for human beings. Yeah, it is. It is finding Israel in Egypt in slavery for 400 years and then working with them and pointing them towards more and more justice, more and more fidelity of worship. So, when you read laws like this, it's like, well, this sounds horrible. Um, yes, yeah, certainly. This is not 21st century American legislation. What this is, is God finding Israel and he works with them as they are. And as they were at this moment of time uh, with polygamous. So it was very, very common because of warfare, disease, all sorts of economic considerations um, that a man would have more than one wife. And in this instance, this law is given to say if your first wife, all right, you have your first wife and if you marry another, you cannot deprive the first one of food, shelter or clothing and marital rights. All right, And if you do deprive her of any of those three things, you uh, cannot hold her into that marriage. She yeah. is free to go. Now, who does this law protect? The women. This law protects the women <laughs> <laughs> because what's the underlying view of marriage here? The underlying view of marriage is that marriage is a commitment to at least three things food shelter and marital rights and if the husband ceases providing those things so it's neglect it's desertion it's abuse okay if he if he does not provide those three things then she is free to go right so that is actually a protection for the first wife right um, and, it, and it says that um, the husband cannot accumulate wives at the expense of the wives that are in his household already. Okay, so it's meant to limit the fallout of polygamy. Right. So in this sense, now again, this, isn't, this is a step forward. It's not all the way forward, but it's a step forward. Right. Um, because again, God takes Israel as he finds them and moves them to greater fidelity and justice. So, um, if women could and were considered property in such an arrangement, um, you could if you could pick one up whenever you wanted to and you could discard one whenever you wanted to, right? This law was meant to protect the ones from being set aside and not being taken care of anymore. Right. All right. So, um, there, there is example in some Jewish writings that these three commitments formed the basis of marital vows in Judaism, food, clothing, and marital rights. In fact, God uses these three in Jeremiah. I think it's Jeremiah. It could be Ezekiel or, or it could be, I don't remember, but he uses these three when he indicts Israel and divorces her in one of the prophets. Oh, um, you did not eat the food I provided for you. You right. did not, yeah, I mean, you did not take shelter in me and you defiled yourself, you know, and using adultery is kind of a metaphor for idolatry. Yeah. So so that's the view of marriage. That is the, the, the first verse um, dealing with divorce. This verse is going to be a counterpoint to the next verse, and this is the one that Jesus is asked to comment on. All right, now this is super tricky. This is one long sentence in Hebrew, and it evidently it's brutal. Because it's brutal in English. So this is Deuteronomy 24. If a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce, gives it to her, and sends her from his house... And if after she leaves his house and becomes the wife of another man and her second husband dislikes her and writes her a certificate of divorce, gives it to her and sends her from his house, or if he dies, then the first husband who originally divorced her is not allowed to marry her again. (laughs) So this is actually a law, not about divorce, but about remarriage, right? Divorce is assumed. Uh, if a woman becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her, he is to write her certificate of divorce. Now the certificate of divorce was a formal legal document that had to be observed by two witnesses. So when, when Joseph finds Mary to be pregnant in uh, the Jesus story, he wants to divorce her quietly. This is how he would have right. done that. The, the, the writ of divorce, um, would have included within it. You are now free. Uh, to be with any man okay and it was written to protect the woman against the charge of adultery right right and the man against the charge of adultery because this this was saying okay adultery now no longer applies in this instance because we are no longer married right make sense yep and so the law as weird as it sounds is hey Husband number one, if you get right or divorce and send her away and then she marries husband number two and husband number two either divorces her or dies, husband number one, you cannot go back and remarry her. Right. All right. Now, that was not the debate part. The debate part was what does it mean when the text says if a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing to him. Right. Because he finds something indecent about her. right now so these were two these were the two huge questions of jesus's day around divorce what does it mean that the husband is displeased and what does it mean to find something indecent about her all right so this this now we're getting close to matthew 19 because jesus is being asked to comment on the debate around those two questions yeah all right so let me go let me do five minutes more of really painful stuff Indecent
1: and displeasing.
0: Yes. Those two words. From Tim Mackey, the matter of indecency is a technical phrase that's only used here in all of ancient Hebrew. We have no other instance of this phrase ever being used. It's a technical legal phrase that is only used here in all of ancient Hebrew. Meaning we're not quite sure what it means. Okay. (laughs) Okay. We're... Thus, when the rabbis came across something where you weren't quite sure what it meant, what did they begin to do about it? Debate it. Yeah. So, from the Mishnah, which was uh, which was Jewish oral tradition codified, we know that there were two camps of Pharisees, two views on this verse from two different groups of Pharisees. All right? The disciples of Rabbi Shammai. Um, were strict and, and understood displeasing means something sexually indecent. Okay? So displeasing means there's something sexually weird, irresponsible, irregular going on. All right? So it's, yeah. the, it's a restrictive view that says the husband can only divorce the wife when she, when he is displeased with her because of sexual infidelity. Okay. Okay.
1: So it's more that she has done something outside of their marriage, not Correct. the way that she does something within.
0: Yes, 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 yes. Okay. That was Rabbi Shammai. All right. Okay. Rabbi Hillel was the the way more liberal uh, person on this debate. And Hillel took his cue from the word displeasing to mean anything that doesn't please the husband. Okay. Okay. So why, so you could get a divorce for something displeasing. Okay. Shammai said displeasing only means sexual immorality, sexual infidelity. Hillel said it means anything that's displeasing and there, there are examples given in the Mishnah of uh, a woman burning the bread of her husband and that's grounds for divorce. And then Rabbi Akiva, who is a very famous rabbi after this time, said that if the woman becomes displeasing to your eyes, um, you could divorce her. Yeah. All right. Now, who is it shocking that Hillel's view became the predominant view of the Pharisees of Jesus's day? Is that shocking? Yeah. No. the the guy who taught that Moses said as long as you write her a certificate of divorce you can divorce her for anything that displeases you yeah is that shocking that all of a sudden that becomes the way no not at all nope and so so what kind of culture grows up around now we have examples of women writing um, certificates of divorce, but these are very, very few and far between. the The most common practice was the man would initiate, not the woman, and the the man would initiate for any and every reason. So, the the teaching was: Can a man divorce a woman for any and every cause? It and was the called. The answer any... is:
1: Did she burn your toast?
0: Yes. Well, it's it's it was and David Inkstone Brewer, which is a great scholar name. He has written some stuff on this that is amazing. What the Pharisees are asking about in Matthew 19 is which side of this debate Jesus do you fall on, right? Uh, between so, those two Between those two ideas. Yes. So back back to Matthew 19. Some Pharisees came to him and te- to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? That phrase, any and every reason, was the hello phrase right. and their understanding of what it meant to be displeased and in something indecent from Deuteronomy 24. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. That's super important that you understand. Jesus, yeah. it's like it's like Jesus um being asked by a search committee, hey, do you view is your view of hell? Uh, eternal um, conscious torment um, or is your view of hell annihilationism or is your view of hell universalism right Right? there were established views this is a theological interpretive question and jesus is being tested by the pharisees make sense jesus is not giving pastoral wisdom here that's really important he's giving technical he's giving his opinion on a right. technical Hebrew phrase, right? That was a source yeah. of much debate in his day. Yeah, this, is super, this is super important to understand and we'll see why in just a little bit. So what's Jesus do? Um, <laughs> Jesus, so he gets asked this question and then notice what he says to the Bible scholars. He doesn't answer the question about Deuteronomy 21. He says, haven't you read Genesis 1 and 2? And so, first of all, that's a total insult to the Bible scholars because they're going to respond with, yeah, but haven't you read Deuteronomy 24? All right. (laughs) So, this is a little snippy, but Jesus is like, haven't you read Genesis 1 and 2? Now, we can do a whole podcast on what Jesus packs into Genesis 1 and 2. Suffice it to say, Jesus's view of marriage, right? God's ideal isn't Deuteronomy 24 for marriage. God's ideal is Genesis 1 and 2 okay that's what yeah. jesus is saying that's why he will say genesis or deuteronomy 24 was permitted you were not commanded to divorce right you were permitted to divorce because of your hardness of hearts but it was never that way from the beginning Do you see what he's done yes oh it's so good so we could do a whole riff on genesis 1 and 2 yeah the 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 gendered ezer connecto companions that it definitely raises a lot of questions. Oh, it raises questions, but Jesus isn't answering those, and so we're yeah. not going to right now either. I'll email them. Now, so Jesus responds, Genesis one and two. Haven't you read at the beginning the Creator made the male and female? For this reason, a man will be united to his wife, and they'll become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Yeah. Therefore, what God has joined, let no One separate. All right. So he quotes in their face, Genesis one and two. They respond by quoting Deuteronomy 24, but they quote it as a command from Moses. Well, Moses told us we have to do this. Yeah. (laughs) And Jesus, remember they say, why then did Moses command that a man give a wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, "Moses did not command this. He permitted this because you divorce. He permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard." Oh. So, uh,
1: so they come up. They're like, "Hey, we got these two rabbinical ideas. One is, um, she's she she commits infidelity, and is displeasing. Your, that's your cause, or your displeasing is anything that you." Th- any and every cause you wake up and you're grumpy and her hair's messy and you're like as long as you give her a certificate right so they bring that to jesus yep two rabbinical laws which one's the correct one yep he says this is the neither this was the yeah and and takes them to genesis and then they say well what about deuteronomy moses commanding in deuteronomy and then they say and he says that was not a command that was a concession his words again God working through a suboptimal lens.
0: Yes. It was a concession. Yeah. Okay. Yes.
1: Yes. We're tracking.
0: Oh, thank you for recapping. That's exactly where we're at. Jesus says, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard, but it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. That's the Shammai view. He quotes it almost verbatim. Nope. The Hillel view for any and every cause is wrong with Deuteronomy 24. It's a concession to your hardness of hearts. And it only applies in cases of sexual infidelity. Mm -hmm. Bam. And that is why the disciples said, if it's really that way, it's better not to marry. Because remember, the idea of writing a certificate of divorce was to protect you from the 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 charge of adultery right yeah and jesus is saying it doesn't matter if you have a damn certificate god sees you as still married Hmm. unless there's sexual infidelity all right yeah now that's the text so when you get to matthew 5 all jesus is doing there is just summarizing the the shammai view Right. Okay. Now, now, this is where it gets so juicy, my friend. So <laughs> juicy. Alright. Oh, I this stuff is so freaking thick and it takes me so kinda of long to figure out. Um, it really, really is. So, uh if you want to go to Jesus's view, what's God's ideal? It's Genesis one and two, it's not Deuteronomy twenty four. Now. This affects how we talk about divorce today. In evangelicalism, there are two main views regarding divorce and remarriage. All right. Now there's a whole, there are a whole bunch of subviews and iterations, but I'm just going to boil it down to two. One view says, okay, because of this passage, the only reason you could ever get divorced is sexual immorality, that there's infidelity. Yeah, so that's the first. That's view number one, and it's straight from the lips of Jesus. View number two says, "Well, we never heard Jesus comment on Exodus twenty-one. So, and is there reason to think that Jesus that that Jesus repudiated Exodus Exodus twenty-one, which was divorce?" In the case of adultery, or excuse me, in the case of desertion, abandonment, or abuse. Right? Or neglect would be another form of abuse. Remember that. Those three commitments. Jesus doesn't speak to Exodus 21 at all. Right. When he's talking about divorce here in Matthew 5 and in Matthew 19, he's talking about that debate And Paul does something super interesting. Paul actually adds an exception in 1 Corinthians 7, where he says, I don't have a strict teaching of Jesus on this, but if an, I think, I think it's an unbelieving spouse, stay with your unbelieving spouse, but if they die, you are unbound. I think that's, so that gets interpreted to meaning desertion. If If a spouse deserts you because of your faith, you are unbound and free to remarry. All right. Now that sounds a lot like Exodus 21. Yeah. So the, so view number one is divorce only for sexual infidelity. View number two is divorce for sexual infidelity and some sort of desertion that Paul mentions and neglect, abuse, abandonment. Yeah. That that Exodus 21 hasn't been repudiated. Now, that's... I I go for that view. I absolutely go for that view. Um, But it's it's somewhat... It's still an argument from silence. In other words, you know, the argument Jesus would give from Genesis 1 and 2 would still apply to Exodus. Right. Right? Um, But... Because, and this to me is, is the kicker, my friend, all right? Are we still making sense? Yeah. Oh. So when Jesus just talks about divorce, he's giving his interpretation of a technical legal phrase. All right? He's not giving pastoral advice. He's right. giving an, an interpretive. He's entering into a Jewish discussion. Yes. That we can't just map from that day to this day automatically. Right. Um, and because Paul seems to open up another exception that is in line with Exodus, I think it reasonable, um, as a concession, not God's ideal ever as a concession to the hardness of human hearts, that there is persistent, unrepentant, and we've tried everything we can. Divorce is permissible in a broader range broader range of circumstances beyond just sexual infidelity yeah all right this is still horribly depressing but notice what does jesus's interpretation of 20 uh, deuteronomy 24 do what was the double standard in deuteronomy 24 men could initiate divorce for any and every reason right and what does jesus do and say to those men If you do that, you are committing adultery, causing her to be an adulteress. If you ever have sex again, you're an adulterer, right? He flips the certificate of divorce on its head. And it says, instead of protecting you from adultery is actually causing you to walk in adultery because God still sees you as married. So Jesus is flipping again, the double standard, the same way he did with lust now he's doing it with divorce that it, nope, this does not apply for any and every cause. Hell no. So to all of those neglected and abandoned and abused women who were told to have to stick in marriages because it's God's will, right? They're mm-hmm. free. Now, again, I say this just in theory, because yeah. guess what you can do, Tim? I don't know. I don't know if you know this but the human heart is an exhaustedly creative vehicle for rest <laughs> rationalizations. And so how could, how the hell do I know if someone's really been deserted, if right. someone's really been neglected, right? Cause I mean, yeah. I've had, I've had people say, well, I'm getting divorced because my husband looks at porn, right? That to me is infidelity. He's got to go, right? I've had people who are just looking, who want to get divorced and, and they're just looking for a reason, yeah. right? How do you judge that heart? I mean, you, you can't. All we can say is that there are genuine instances where, as a concession to the evilness of one of the spouses, it is right. permitted to be unbound. But in terms of all the whatabouts, like, well, my wife was this, and she was this, and my husband was this. I think Jesus would speak a hard word against our very any and every cause divorce, because that's, that's, the, that's the view evangelicals have embraced. All right. We've just we've just recapitulated to Hillel and said, well, yeah, it's for any and every cause, I- irreconcilable differences. And the biblical teaching is that doesn't cut it. Not at all. Every couple has irreconcilable differences. You're two freaking <laughs> sinners. There is no soulmate out there waiting yes. to complete you perfectly. Marriage is freaking hard ass work. And you don't you don't get an out just because it doesn't measure up to your personal fulfillment desires. Yeah. It just doesn't. So, Jesus here speaks a hard word to me and to you and to all of us who came into marriage thinking it was a consumer product that existed for my personal satisfaction in sexual and emotional terms. And when it's not that, and when sometimes it seems to make all of that worse, and when you really don't like each other and raising kids is brutal, there it's really tempting to buy into the any and every cause divorce. Yeah. Right? And Jesus says, absolutely not. So he speaks a hard word against our consumer hearts, but the word he speaks to women who've been abused and neglected and mistreated, who've been neglected, deserted, abandoned, and cheated upon you, you don't he never commands you to divorce, but he permits you are free to go. Yeah. Holy moly. Think about the Pharisee view of divorce. What does that show about the Pharisee view of marriage? Marriage exists for the pleasure of men, right? Yeah. If if you could divorce her because she's displeasing, what did what does she exist for? Pleasing, right? Yeah,
1: it seems like we still. I don't remember when we talked about it, but it's you know there still seems to be so much of this in the church when, um, you know, uh, a, an elder um has an affair and then they bring the wife in and they're like, "Well, maybe you should have been dressing a little bit different or maybe you should have been blah blah blah." Or,
0: <laughs> right? And that that's why Jesus attaches this to lust. Right. Right? He removes the double standard. It is not ever the woman's fault. Ever. Yep. She's not the sexual tempterist. She's not the Jezebel. The issue is the wicked male heart. Now, of course, women have sexual desires. And of course, women tempt and can be tempted. Jesus knows this. But only one gender has used that to exploit, oppress, and violate the other. Yeah, forever. Forever. <laughs> so, think about what he's done to those two double standards, right? Just sit on that for a second. Yeah. Jesus isn't just offering random theological musings, right? He's setting people free and in, in, uh, pronouncing the availability of his kingdom and defining his kingdom as a place where fidelity is valued. Absolutely. And damn it, men, or now women, just because marriage turns out to be hard, doesn't mean you get out of it. God still yeah. sees you as one flesh. But when hearts are persistently evil, God does not demand you stay in that marriage. The issue, of course, is that I have a wide range of creative explanations for what constitutes evil. Yeah. And you see, we've gone right back to the same debate. Yeah, for it's sure. It's the same debate, right? So um, when I come across people who... All they want to talk about is whether their divorce is justified. Yeah. You know that in their mind, the answer is already yes. Yeah. You are being invited to simply provide justification. Right? We don't want to play that game. There are instances when there is incredible grief. Work has been done. Papers have been refused. Begging, praying, right? And there is something that's persistently Hard of heart in the other spouse that that with great reluctance, then absolutely we divorce, yeah, yeah, you are not bound in that situation, you don't have to, and I've known people who have just simply said, Well, I won't sign the papers, I'm not going to justify this, I'm not going to sign the papers, okay, but what the church where the church gets into trouble is on both sides on the one hand we just don't care anymore right divorce is just totally you're oh yeah your divorce is yours fine totally fine no investigation no it's just totally cool it's what people do today so we're totally laissez-faire or like well you're under church discipline you know and we need to we need to form a tribunal to investigate you know the circumstances around your divorce and whether or not remarriage was appropriate. And neither of those get at the heart of what Jesus is doing here. Yeah. Right? Jesus is calling a culture that looks for permission. He's calling them back to Genesis 1 and 2. And for those who are brokenhearted and those, right, who have tried to be peacemakers and those who have shown mercy but have that mercy taken advantage of, right? Right? To them, the invitation of Jesus uh, is um, is to concede and to say, this is not God's will. Um, God even says, I hate divorce and how lightly this priests were taking it. But that there are circumstances where it is permitted.
1: Yeah. And as a part like of... It feels like yeah, the, that difference between peacemaking and peacekeeping. Say, say more. Well... I the way I th- the, th- so both those versions that you just said the uh, laissez faire and the um, you know like well whatever and then the no you're under discipline now are both reactionary positions right they're, they're positions or their their ide- ideologies that are reacting to the um, a relationship that's gotten to the point that it's breaking yeah either. Whatever, like you can do whatever you want or like, no, this was wrong. You're right. going to be disciplined. Neither of them are dealing with what caused right. a marriage to get to that point. Right. So right. that seems like peacekeeping to me, right? You're, you're oh, yeah. putting you're- in laws and effects that are just trying to keep the status quo, but that ship is sinking. Yeah. But then you have the peacemaking where it's like, we got to change the conversation. Like we have to change the way that you got to this place. We have to make peace in this. So I think about like, what what has it like where have we gone wrong where generationally we have gotten to a point where we're so willing to jump ship or we're so willing to allow ourselves to get to these different places and what difference you know as you're raising kids like how do i raise my kids to um to understand the actual like brevity and importance of of a relationship Mm Mm-hmm because just reacting to when they make when they try to blow it up that's like well what's the point of that
0: (laughs) totally it's just like handing
1: them a water balloon when the house is on fire and you're like well good luck
0: good luck no i mean i i don't know the answer our choice has been for our kids because they're a bit older to bring them in um to the fact that there have been really rough patches in our marriage Number one, they already know, right? I mean, they're not, (laughs) they're not, you know, they can hear the conversations or they can, (laughs) they can, they have just incredible radar. But, but secondly, what we want to try to demonstrate and and this wars, I mean, I I can say this and I've said this for years, but I still don't, (laughs) I'm still working to rid myself of this, that sex um and marriage were meant um to be pleasing and fulfilling right and that your spouse that was purity culture man yes that um if you wait it'll be amazing and if you wait for the right one your marriage will be amazing and i'm here to tell you (laughs) that that there are amazing marriages but they only they don't become they don't They aren't that way because, (laughs) yeah, you know, and it's um, not
1: luck of the draw either. No, it's
0: it's uh, it's such a it's such a war against the consumer culture, right? Because I mean, all dating was for me was just trying. You're just trying on different relationships, and I'm the I'm the arbiter. It's not, I'm not, I'm not thinking at all about, Hey, would this benefit the kingdom? Would we be a good, would we be good parents together? You know, it's no. I, and we got that advice from the other
1: side of the fence too, from like non, um, believing families that were like, wait a second. If you go buy a pair of shoes, you try yeah. on a bunch of shoes before you purchase. Yeah. Because yep. man, that hurts your feet right if you buy the wrong pair of shoes you're just totally. a, you're just a terrible consumer
0: right right exactly I, and you're stuck forever i was forever. thinking about this
1: yeah i was thinking about this last week with the with the um lust and adultery conversation cuz That purity culture track for me was, uh, don't touch, don't touch, don't touch, stay away, stay away, stay away. If you do, once you get married, it's going to be like the 4th of July, it's going to be fireworks and Mm. holy moly, God's going to bless you because you, and then you get married and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. She doesn't know what she's doing. We're fumbling around. It can be discouraging, especially if you do have the mindset that this is a reward system,
0: we're
1: we're working on a reward system. So then you're like, Oh, dang this prize it didn't work correctly or whatever and then yeah yeah and then you but then we don't like to talk about this stuff so there's that uneven balance of like um we don't want to talk about how our understanding of sex is weird and flawed and um secret and then for you know not speaking for everybody but then you you do drift into these lanes of indulging in lust or indulging these things because it's like, well, this isn't working over here, but I still deserve something. So I'm going to go over here. But then you don't want to talk about that either. It's just me. I'm just, this is my personal story. (laughs) You're not, you're not hitting me at all, at all. So then you're, then you're dealing with these impulses, indulging these impulses, but you're doing it in secret, which builds up terrible calluses and that things. And then you come out of that and you feel angry and you blame God because this wasn't fair. Yeah. This didn't work out correctly. This is not the design that I was promised. I did everything right. Yeah. I towed a very righteous line and now I'm being punished for it. And now I have all this shame from it. And then I.
0: Which further ruins the true reward you were supposed to get.
1: Yes. No, the whole thing is skewed from the start is what, was, what I'm trying to get at. Like our our starting point is off. Yeah and because of that uh, the it's hard to see the finishing or the the journey down the road being so when i see jesus reacting to like tell us which one of these is wrong he's like no go back to the very beginning of it mm-hmm. this is this is how this is done correctly we're trying to get back to this place yeah you guys are reacting to the wrong pieces is porn right or wrong i'm trying to get you to a point where right. uh, that's not part of the conversation
0: yes so oh, and Tim. this also
1: leads me to the Billy Graham stuff because that has come up multiple times over the years. The Billy Graham rule. Yes. Oh, and you're so, so like, on
0: fire right now. <laughs> well, I've
1: been thinking about this a lot because this was my journey where I was like, of course, like I am, you know, I am fairly liberal in a lot of my beliefs. Should do I think that I should be alone with a woman, uh, like in and, and so with uh, um, Mike Pence, like not giving interviews, right? He's the right. so he's denying this woman her job because he. Uh, holds this rule that he shouldn't be alone with somebody Mm -hmm. is that the woman's fault because he's going to be there's a possibility that he may be tempted there's a possibility that he might be seduced by her again that's all this victim mentality from the man and is harming the woman again so it's just I've I've come full circle now where I don't I've come out of the shame market out of the blame game market and now I'm in like a Oh, I just gotta fix my shit. Yeah. Like, I yeah. this is this has nothing to do with her yeah. or any other woman in the world. This only has to do with the fact that I like went through a victimhood phase where I thought that I was the one that was the victim of everything. And now I'm on the other side of that. And it's like, nope. I cho- I made choices that brought me to where I was. Mm. So all of that, like I just I oh. see everything that Jesus is doing. It's like, go like this So when you said at the very beginning that God was making concessions because things were just skewed like he's meeting the people and saying hey this is all this is messed up let's let's you know he's trying to bring his people back on course and they just keep being like what
0: <laughs> i'm so glad it was just them right you know <laughs> i mean <laughs> that's so far exactly that's the thing that's striking me as you as you talk it's like we're having the same freaking conversations the and the big the big lie for me oh tim thanks for sharing that i mean that's so good that gives words to things for me. The big life for me was, damn, I should have lived it up before marriage. Yes. Because nobody, nobody looks like they got punished for that. Yep. That, that, that's what I was told. Yep. And, um, you know, I was foolish. I just, uh, I should have. And so I, I find this just damnable envy. Um, yes. and, uh, and I, I, just I just weep over it, um, because I just I, I I hate it. I hate that it's there. Yeah, but I see why now.
1: Yes, you know what I mean. So that's what I meant by like, how do we how do we change that conversation? And I can only talk about that within how I raise my kids, right? Like, yeah, they're young enough, being eight and four, that. The the, You know, the stuff starting to become framed for them culturally Mm -hmm. and, and not just, I'm not saying that in like a worldly, like the world is trying to, but that is a part of it, but the church Mm -hmm. is also not necessarily doing a great job. So
0: totally. You can't either, you
1: can't go either way. No. So I like that Jesus is like, no, right. This was the idea. Yeah. And we may be kind of like off track here, but that doesn't change that this was the ideal. Yeah. And let's try to figure out how to like reform our hearts and free the people that have been enslaved by the wrong track of whatever. Right. right. So that's that that's that stone of hope in the mountain of despair.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's Wow, that's really good, man. Listen. I let's just end it there. That's <laughs> No, I'm so proud of you. I mean, you've you've I need to actually think about what you've said because that that reward system i you just that that was it because i've struggled for a long time trying to because obviously i mean if you hold to to the to some sort of authority of the bible sex has a telos it it it's not just dna transfer it's not just uh monkey instincts there's there's a telos to it it does something um and and so obviously i want my kids to know that it does something um and at the same time i want them to know that all the feelings that they have right now are 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 good yeah, yeah. they're not they're natural bad feelings and yeah. they're natural and and yes i mean of course of course and and so we've made decisions that i don't know I, i'm sure it would horrify other christian parents but <laughs> to try to validate their embodied their their embodied feelings right right um and um and because i you know sex was very shameful Uh, i was introduced to porn really really early and you know it was in secret and that's just always where it's been you know and so literally the my what i have a couple rules of life but one of them is okay try not to live in secret anymore Yes. That's huge, though. It's a huge one. Uh, And and going back to what we talked about before, that's where adultery starts. In secret.
1: Yes, that's where everything bad starts.
0: So you got it. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, after a heavy, heavy episode, (laughs) I can only end it with this young man right here. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Seth Erie. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, boy? It's good. It's good. Where's Chick Fil A? You got some Chick Fil A today? With Nate. With Nate, okay. I like Chick Fil A.
2: Nate do have Chick Fil A sandwich.
0: Nate has Chick Fil A sandwich. Yes. And what are you having?
2: I'm gonna have mom chicken the fight.
0: Seth has mom chicken. Which is um, unbreaded, so it's the grilled. That's mom oh. chicken, and fries. <laughs> I love that it's mom the chicken. The mom chicken.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. What's one thing you like about your daddy?
2: Um, I like whoever daddy. I like going to sleep with big snuggle.
0: He likes oh, going to sleep with big snuggles. Yes. <laughs> yes, we are. You are. When you're in the mood, you are quite the snuggler.
2: Yeah, I close my
0: eyes. Yeah, you close your eyes. Absolutely, <laughs> mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Well, Seth. Yeah. All right, you're gonna sign us off today. Okay. All right, so I want you to tell the people, um, thank you for listening.
2: Okay.
0: And um, and we look forward to talking to them again. So however you want to say it, like say your Vox podcast stuff. Um. Right here. Come closer.
2: Um, guys, thank um, you at Vox.com. Peace for you tuning in up there. Peace and uh, get a chat. Come on, miss And I do Fox podcast. Boom. I see a Tim's funny. Boom. I see a Tim Sims Devil W. I comment Tim Sims comment. And cam- uh, Kevin. Boom. Figure figure, i watching. Have a day. Hey, 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 fun. Thank you guys for watching. Please never Vox. Facebook, Facebook Live. And, tomorrow, and, and and thank you, thank you, Mr. Bye.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, just to recap, all right? That was amazing. So there was mention of the Vox World headquarters subscribing right to our YouTube channel. There was Vox.com. There was a Bonnie shout out, a Tim shout out, a Kevin with a boom. Uh, there was thanks for tuning in today and Tim, Tim. and Tim, Tim, Tim Timmons, uh, who is a friend of ours for Mariners way back in the day, uh, Tim Timmons shout out. And uh, Tim Timmons is a, a dear friend, Christian artist, Tim, uh, or Seth calls him Tim Tims, Tim, was Tim, Tim Tims, Tim Tims, there's a lot of booms, booms t- in there, a lot of booms, a lot of booms going on. So ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> what else can be said, but that thank you for tuning in until next time, friends.
1: Thank you for listening to this conversation. The Vox Podcast is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is supported by listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us, you can do so at patreon.com/voxpodcast. You can also engage with the hosts on social media at facebook.com/voxpodcast, on Instagram, at Fox Podcast and on Twitter at Mike Erie.
0: Thank you for walking this road with us.